0: We have been talking about evangelism, the New Testament methodology. We are going to continue on that today and for several weeks as well. Now, the overall objective of this series of messages is to equip the members of the incredible body of Christ. And remember, that's one of the primary purposes of a meeting like this, is to equip believers. And so the overall objective of the series is to equip the members of the incredible body of Christ at Calvary Bible Church to go out of our pews, to go out of our pews to show love and unity, to live righteously and share the gospel in order to win converts. Then we bring those converts into the church to equip them to become true disciples by becoming disciple makers themselves. That's the purpose, the objective if you want, for this series of messages. To put it another way, we want to equip members of the incredible body of Christ to share the gospel accurately, and we're going to be showing you how to do that anywhere, anytime, with anyone, in the power of the Holy Spirit. I believe that if we could get our people doing this, we would see the expansion of the church and the glory of God manifested in our midst. And so today's message is going to be focused on what I call evangelistic friendly church services because I'm convinced that most believers have a wrong idea of what our service is supposed to be like we're going to be talking about evangelistic friendly church services now this morning actually our message can be more of a review and application because I'm taking the position as I mentioned to you about the young pastor who went to a church remember and he preached his first message. Everybody loved the message. Came back next Sunday. He preached it again. They still liked it, but they wonder why he spoke the same message. Well, he did the same thing for five or six Lord's Day Sundays. He did it again and again and again. Finally, the elders called him on the mat. He says, young man, don't you have any other message other than that one you've been preaching? He says, yes, I do. But you know, the Bible says we should not only be hearers, but doers of the word. Now, we have said some things from the word that you're supposed to do. I haven't seen you doing it since I've been here. And I will continue to preach this message until I see you obeying the word of God. Now, I'm not going to be that pointed, of course, but I'm going to do a review and application because some of the things we're saying is so important. They're so important because they go against the traditional concept of evangelism. And so I think we need to emphasize it and to show you that it's biblically based, not just a personal opinion. The Great Commission, which we talked about earlier, is God's overall methodology for reaching the world with the gospel. The command is to make disciples. That's the mandate. That's the Great Commission. It's not to win converts. It's not to win souls. The Great Commission, Commission, the great mandate of the church, is to make disciples. We've demonstrated that already. The Great Commission, then, is God's overall methodology for reaching the world with the gospel. However, evangelism is the cutting edge of the arrow to do that. However, without the support of the shaft of the arrow, which I call discipling or discipleship, the point fails to reach the mark. Because the point actually is a part of the shaft. And the shaft is discipleship. And without discipleship, the shaft will not be effective. But not only that. The local church, the ministry of the local church, the body of Christ, is the guide feathers of the arrow that serve to stabilize its doctrine. Now, If if you know about arrows and so on, you know that at the end of every arrow there's some feathers and those arrows have to be those feathers have to be perfectly arranged in order to guide the arrow to where it is going that gives guidance to it and so you see the whole concept the church during discipleship using evangelism as the primary entry into the world will accomplish the purpose that God has given us here but we cannot focus on evangelism only and neglect discipleship. And we cannot even just focus on the church and neglect discipleship. These must go together to accomplish the mandate. So here's some principles for effective corporate evangelism. The local church as a corporate entity is directly and specifically responsible for being a witness to its immediate community. Now read that carefully. Because you see, we have the idea that it's the paid evangelist who is responsible for reaching the community for the church. The Bible doesn't teach that. It is the church as a whole. It's members who make up the individual church that is responsible for re- being a witness to the community in which we live. And not only in a sense of proclaiming its witness through preaching of the gospel, but also by proclaiming its witness through a loving, righteous United lifestyle and we'll see as we saw before that this is what Jesus taught Jesus says if the world is going to know that you're my disciples that you are authentic you are valid Disciples of mine then certain traits are going to be seen The first one he says all will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another Secondly if you bear much fruit and we saw when you studied that it has to do with righteous lifestyle, the fruit of the spirit, the fruit of the spirit. And if you are in unity, if you are united, these are the three elements that Jesus Christ says are the primary methodology for evangelism by the body of Christ: loving one another, living a righteous lifestyle, showing the fruit of the spirit, and then we show unity. If any of these elements are disturbed the arrow of evangelism will be blunted. We will not be able to affect evangelism the way it's supposed to be done. And so the New Testament methodology for evangelism and missions is the proclamation of the gospel backed up and motivated by a vibrant local assembly of believers whose members reflect the character of Christ by living obediently to his word. As the arrows on that, I'm sorry, as the feathers on that shaft that takes us into the world, if they're not aligned properly, if the church is not living righteously, if the church is not living right, loving one another, if the church is not united, then we'll go off target. That's the point here. So think about this for a moment. The way we live as believers is the platform upon and from which the effective evangelism is to be launched. Unless we have a strong foundation or platform here in the local church, no matter what kind of evangelistic outreaches we have, it would not be effective if our people are not living according to the word of God. Proclamation without an, observably, an observable godly lifestyle to back it up dilutes the power of the gospel, sends the arrow off target. Why? Because it is not true to the New Testament methodology for evangelism and discipleship. And I am convinced absolutely that this is the reason why so much evangelism is ineffective. It's not because of the things we do so much, as, I mean as far as the methods are concerned, but it has to do with the individual lifestyle we're living as a body of believers let me give you a biblical example I gave it to you before but I want to bring it up again of corporate evangelism I'm doing this because of the traditional idea that a local assembly like this meeting here is supposed to be evangelistic that we're supposed to preach the gospel in the service like this and to give an invitation out all the time so that people will come to Christ in other words it's not you who are responsible for evangelism is the paid preacher. And once the preacher is paid, then he's supposed to do it, and you're not supposed to do it. That's the concept we have grown up with. That's contrary to the word of God. Let me give you, an, again, an example here. 1 Corinthians 14, Paul is talking about how a church service is to be ordered. He's talking about spiritual gifts. First, he explained that tongues were given as a sign to what? Or to whom? To unbelievers. Tongues were given as a sign to unbelievers. In other words, and it's an evangelistic tool. Tools in the scripture, I'm sorry, tongues in the scripture is an evangelistic tool to be used outside the church, not within. Prophecy, however, where the gospel is spoke, spoken to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and all, is to be done in a way that everybody could understand it. And if it's done decently in order then God's purpose for the local gathering will be realized. Notice what he says. If, therefore, the whole church should assemble together and all speak in tongues, and ungifted men or unbelievers enter, will they not say that you are mad? You see, they'll say that we be crazy. They can't understand what's going on because tongues were not given for the purpose of being used within. It was given to be used without. Notice the next verse. But if all prophesy, in other words, we speak to one another, psalms and hymns and to the messages that can be understood, and an unbeliever or ungifted man enters. I want you to see this. It's not really the norm for an unsaved person to attend a church service in the New Testament. In fact, as we brought out in Acts two before, or Acts five really, the unbeliever actually was scared to attend the church. Because remember what happened to Ananias and Sapphira. Because of holy life. Because of holiness being demonstrated. The unsaved people were afraid to attend the church services. Because of what happened within the church. But if all prophesy and an unbeliever or an ungifted man enters. He is convicted by all. Not just a preacher. He is called to account by all. This has to do by the way they demonstrate themselves in worship before God. The secrets of his heart are disclosed. And so he will fall on his face. And worship God. Declaring that God is certainly among you. Now the focus here is the reason why the unsaved person is convicted. Because they looked at the orderly way. In which the people of God are worshiping. And how they are ministering to one another. In psalms, and hymns, and spiritual songs and so on. And as a result of that they come to place faith in Christ. Now here's the reason why he says, Therefore, my brethren, desire earnestly to prophesy. Why? Because that's the gift if you want. That's the way people are edified and built up. But do not forbid to speak in tongues. But all things must be done properly and in an orderly manner. In other words, he's saying here, When the church worships the way God has designed it to be, and an unsaved person comes in, they will be led to place faith in Christ through the difference that they see in the worship of believers. This is the point. They will be attracted to Christ by the lifestyle and the worship of believers who do it according to the will of God. And so the principle is this. Orderly worship in an atmosphere of love and unity is a powerful, corporate, evangelistic tool in the hands of God. And that's what we have to strive for, to worship, to have gatherings, to follow the guidelines as laid down by the Spirit of God. Decently and in order, focusing on try on God, the Word of God, edification. So the summary. God's methodology for evangelizing the lost both at home and abroad, is the utilization and mobilization of communities of redeemed people called local churches, such as Calvary Bible Church, who demonstrates Christ-motivated love, spirit-motivated unity, and a biblically motivated lifestyle to effectively verbalize the gospel to the unsaved. In other words, we must have a strong foundation as far as the church is concerned. Now, this is what I call organic evangelism, where the church grows itself from within, begins within. As they worship together, they're edified and they are equipped. It grows within and we go outwardly. Principles for organic evangelism. Go. The unsaved will not come to us. We must go to them. That's the church scattered, the church going evangelism does not take place in a meeting like this. It takes place when you leave a, minister, a meeting like this after having been equipped from the word of God, edified by the people of God, and you go out into the world to, uh, to proclaim the gospel. You must go to them. You don't expect them to come to us. We saw before, the Bible is clear. there is not a sinner who seeks after God. Not one. No one seeks after God. We have to go after them. You go, but you stay. Stay in a relationship with an unsaved person, even when it becomes difficult. This is the church loving our neighbors, loving unsaved relatives, unsaved friends. This is another area where we lack, I think. Too many Christians have too few unbelieving friends. Too many Christians have too few unbelieving friends. We don't talk to our unsaved neighbor. We don't pray for our unsaved relative. We think that because we're Christians, we only gather with Christians. That's not the New Testament way. That's not the way that's modeled by Jesus. So you stay in a relationship. Looking back over my own experience as a Christian, I believe this was one of my failures in my early days. I dropped all of my friends almost right away. My drinking buddies, my gambling buddies, my womanizing buddies, I drop them all right away. I see them dying off one by one now. One by one. I go into the obituaries now, see if I can see my picture. But I go and I see one by one, and I just say, Lord, you know, I didn't speak to him. Right now, there's a very close friend back in those days who was sick, and his daughter told me about it. And so uh, the Holy Spirit really spoke to me about trying to make contact with him. I went to the hospital, but he was just released. So I said, maybe the Holy Spirit wants me to go to his home where I can talk to the whole family. So that's what I'm doing now. I hope you'll pray for me with that. But stay in a relationship. Jesus did not come to call the righteous. He came to call the sinner. And if we are going to follow him, we must go where he did. Bless those that you have a relationship with. In other words... Be loving to them. Be kind to them. This is where our social life comes in. Make sure that you show them love. Make sure that you show that you care for them in a practical way. You go, you stay, you bless them in that relationship. And then fourthly, you tell them. You let them know about God. Let them know what God is doing in your life. Share your testimony. One of the best places and opportunities for you to share your testimony is when you are talking to unsaved friends, family members, and so on. Let them know what God is doing in your life. Write out your testimony, memorize it in such a way that you could include the way of salvation in your testimony. That's a very simple way, and we're going to give some examples of that later on in our series to show how you can witness how you can turn ordinary conversations into evangelistic conversations? Jesus did it. We're going to be looking at it tonight, Lord willing, when He spoke to the woman at the well. Tell, let people know what God is doing in your life. Share, explain the gospel clearly and accurately. Now, I hardly go anywhere without one of these little booklets. These, this booklet is one of the most simple, concise ways. Of presenting the gospel I've ever seen very clear on what the gospel is many gospel tracts do not really explain the gospel this one does and it's very easy to use you can walk a person through this in four or five minutes and it's very clear and it's a very good way of introducing uh, the gospel into a conversation explain the gospel clearly and accurately that's very important. Finally, preach by the way you live. That's your lifestyle. In other words, there's no use sharing this booklet or sharing the gospel. If they, people know that as a businessman, you, you, you steal from them. You are unfair in your practices. Or as an employer, you don't take care of your employees and so on. Or they know that when you come into the airport, you never fill out your... Uh, customs formed correctly. You always have two different things. If, if they know you do that, don't share the gospel with them. Don't, you dilute the gospel when you do that because of your lifestyle. Now, here's the marks of a, what I call a balanced evangelistic church. And the focus is on balance because where we make an error is when we try to focus on one part of the Great Commission and leave out the others. And we become top-heavy on one part and so on. A church whose members are seeking, this is a balanced evangelistic church. It's a church whose members are seeking to glorify the triune God by living a holy lifestyle. And they are actively and passionately engaging in activities strategically selected and biblically endorsed that will help to complete the ministry of Christ on earth by making disciples and leading them on to spiritual maturity through the ongoing utilization of their spiritual gift or gifts. In other words, we are living the way God directs us to live, loving one another in unity bearing the fruit of the Spirit and we are sharing the gospel accurately. Evangelism and this is the important part, evangelism is not an integral part of this process. I'm sorry, it is an integral part of the process but it is not a separate or primary emphasis. In other words, this process doesn't say that the most important thing is to win souls. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say the most important thing is to pray. It doesn't say that. We want a balanced approach. And this is what we are trying to do here. So here at, here, here at Calvary Bible Church, what we're seeking to do based, I believe, on the Word of God, is to seek to develop a balanced ministry. Worship, instruction, fellowship, social outreach and evangelism all being done at the same time and all with the same emphasis. That's a balanced ministry and that was we are striving to do. Here is another principle when we're thinking about an evangelistic friendly church. Evangelism must begin at home. This is what I call setting the stage for effective evangelism outside of the church. What about the atmosphere of our church gatherings here at Calvary Bible Church? Think about it for a moment. Are they evangelistic friendly? Are our services evangelistic friendly? Let me give you some idea of what I mean about being an evangelistic friendly church. An evangelistic-friendly church accepts people who don't dress right, who don't talk right, perhaps don't even smell right, or think right. Evangelistic-friendly church rejects religious elitism. You know, this kind of idea that we're better than you are, we are more economically better than you are, we hold up our noses high and so on. We don't have this elitism attitude. An evangelistic friendly church. An evangelistic friendly church lets people feel that they are accepted by you, the member, before you invite them to accept Jesus Christ. In other words, your acceptance of them as they are could be an encouragement for them to accept Jesus Christ, to assure them that he will accept them as they are as well. It also demonstrates the truth that organic evangelism begins at home. you Remember, what we talked about prayer evangelism as demonstrated by Christ and the apostles, where we pray for individuals who do not know Christ. If you are not praying for individuals, you are not evangelistically inclined. You might cry out for evangelistic crusades, evangelistic rallies, for the gospel to be preached in a service like this, for invitations to be given. But if you're not obeying the biblical mandate to pray for those who do not know Christ, you are being a hypocrite because you are not fulfilling the biblical mandate. Now, the prayer evangelism is an important one. We are trying to devise a calendar. It was adapted from a calendar that uh, another church is doing where they have the names of the political leaders on it day by day. So you can have it to pray for as commanded by the word of God. Pray for those who do not know Christ. We'll be sharing this with you next time, Lord willing. But here's something to think about. Have people come to Calvary Bible Church and made to feel that they did not fit in or not want it? Do you believe that's ever happened here at Calvary Bible Church? That's not an evangelistic friendly church. Consider this scenario. And I can ask you later to see how we rate with this one. This is someone who's visited Calvary Bible Church. Today we are visiting Calvary. We're new in Nassau. And this is the fourth church we've visited. We came in a taxi. Someone welcomes us without smiling, hands us a bulletin without an eye contact or even a smile. And then quickly moves on to another person. After wandering around trying to find a nursery for our small children, we walk into the service late, past staring eyes of the members. As we sit down, a member of the church whispers to another member, I don't know where John and Jane are going to sit now because they sat in their seat. Do you think that ever happened here? Here are some ways to make visitors feel welcome. Do whatever you can to make their entrance into the church as easy as possible. Greet visitors with a smile and an attitude that asks, can I be of help in any way? Now this is not just for those people we call greeters out there. That's for all members of the body. Offer them your seat if they are standing in the aisle looking for one offer to take them to lunch or take them back to their home or hotel because, remember, they came in a taxi. In other words, we need to learn how to identify with our visitors. Perhaps this cartoon will help us see that. You're right. I've never actually been a pirate, but I think as a Bahamian, I can understand the world from a pirate's point of view. <laughs> In other words, you try to identify yourself, make the person feel at home, not as a stranger anymore. Here's something else to think about. How welcome do you really believe visitors feel when they come to Calvary Bible Church right now? Do you feel that they really feel welcomed? Anybody? So that's an indictment upon the pastor, the elders, or who? Everyone, including the pastors. What then do you believe is your role as a member of Calvary Bible Church to greet newcomers or to greet visitors to Calvary Bible What is your role? Or do you think you don't have a role? It's somebody else's. See, that's one of the attitudes we have. We see things that need to be done, but we don't think it's our responsibility to meet that need. Somebody else needs to do that. That's like evangelism. Yes, evangelism needs to be done, but not me. Yeah, we need to go into the community, but not me. I'm not going to the community. When we have our meetings out there, I'm not going out there in the cold winter's night, although it could be in the middle of the summer, to have a rally. I'm not going to go there and knock on the door. Who knows, somebody might attack me. That's for somebody else to be attacked, not me. That's the attitude. Would you offer your parking space to a visitor? Suppose you, were, you came in, And here's a visitor. You know they're a visitor. They're driving around and around trying to find a parking space. Would you tell that person, hold on, you could take my parking space? Would you do that? If you don't, you're not being evangelistically friendly. What about this? Would you offer your seat to a visitor? Come in, there's no seats, and uh, they're looking for, would you offer your seat? If you don't, you're not being evangelistically friendly. Let me emphasize this point by hyperbole. In other words, over-exaggeration. Would you volunteer to become what I call an elite visitor awareness commando? In other words, somebody who is going to be ready to punks on that visitor when they come in. And you're going to do everything possible to make them comfortable, like this. 11 o'clock, the elite visitor awareness commando go into action. Giving them tea, giving them a sushine, giving them a manicure. Now, of course, this is no exaggeration, but I think you can make the point when you try to be friendly to the person, right?